Welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and this is another installment of a mini-series I call Ask Me Anything. Um, That's not a very original title. Lots of people do ask me anything. But the premise of this one is that if we were like at coffee together and you could just pick my brain about my opinion or my perspective or my experience about anything related to Girl Scouts or running a troop, what would you want to ask? And I posed this question in the Facebook group both last fall and recently. And I have a bunch of questions that I have not had a chance to get to, so I wanted to answer a few. Also, I'm always taking more questions, so if you've got a question, please submit one. You can submit one in the Facebook group. It's just facebook.com slash groups slash Girl Scout Podcast. Or you can send me an email if you're not on Facebook. It's girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com. Nicole asked, how do you address implementing changes in your troop when they affect parents and specifically she mentioned that she's looking to change her troops communication from text slash email to an app like band or a facebook group she said do i ask parents what they would prefer or just make a decision how do you handle pushback um and she added She's tired of unread emails, group texts get messy fast, and she's desperate to make a change, but also terrified to rock the boat. Nicole, thanks for sharing, and thanks for also sharing some of your vulnerability about how you're feeling about this. Uh, Communication can definitely be (laughs) a total drag. And I, so I first want to say, like, I see you. We all understand this, right? It is so frustrating when you need a response or an RSVP on something. You can send like a million emails, but there's just a handful of parents that are never going to respond. And there's always going to be parents who will say they never got any emails. They never saw it. Like you can't make people read their email. So that can be really complicated. Um, So let me start with that. I understand the frustration with email. I'm going to go ahead and say that no matter what you switch to, you should also put it in email. And here's a big reason why. Because you're doing a little CYA, okay? You want to put everything into email that you send in other methods of communication so that you have a paper trail that you sent it and that you sent it via email, which is like a very, at this point, a very universally accepted method of communication. So I would definitely still send emails even if you incorporate an app like Band or Facebook group or any other method of communication. Always still send it an email as well. For me personally, I never like group texts. Um, (laughs) This is kind of true in my personal life too, but I think group texts are kind of annoying and I think that they are frustrating. It's kind of like reply all. Even when I send an email to everyone, I BCC everyone. So I put them in the BCC line. The only people I put in the two or the CC line are my co-leaders, anybody on the leadership team, all parent emails or caregiver emails, family emails are all going in the BCC line. First of all, because you don't necessarily have permission to share their email addresses with other parents um, or other families. But second of all, because then when somebody hits reply all, it doesn't, not all the parents are getting that response. It's only coming to you, the troop leaders. So even an email, I don't like the essential group text, <laughs> like essentially the same thing. Um 
So what I recommend, honestly, and this wasn't your question, <laughs> but what I recommend when it comes to communication is send it via email for sure, BCC all your parents or caregivers. Then anybody who doesn't respond to something that needs to be responded to, like an RSVP or whatever, send them an individual text to follow up. <laughs> uh, if there are people who don't answer their texts or who particularly hate being texted and you know that about them, then there's other methods and we'll get to that in a second. But um, the only time I would send a group text if it is if it actually involves coordinating with a group. And that's not going to be the whole group. That's going to be a small group. So if you have two co-leaders or something like that, then the three of you might be in a group thread for the occasional like logistical conversation. Or if you're trying to work out like um, what particularly comes to mind for me as an example is we were doing um, we were planning horse camp for March, the weekend of like March 14th, 2020. So you can uh, imagine how that went. That was the week everything officially shut down. Some things had started whispering about shutting down um, before that. But officially, we got the mandated shutdown the week of our horse camp. Very sad. Now, the way that horse camp was structured and how far away it is from our, like, base camp, I guess you could say, our base for our troop, um, that camp was too far away for daisies to come for the whole weekend. So we planned this horse camp weekend for the whole troop, and daisies had the opportunity to come up just for the day on Saturday. Um, but obviously, our whole troop was already going to be up in at camp so the daisy families who responded and said they did want to participate in the um one day daisy programming i group texted those three daisy families so that they could coordinate a carpool so that they didn't all have to drive up to two and a half hours to camp probably two and a half hours to camp and then be there all day and then drive the daisies, the, their daisy back individually. They could coordinate that somebody could take all three daisies up to horse camp um, together. But they were going to have to coordinate what was going to work for them because I wasn't going to be there because I was already going to be at camp with the rest of the troop. So that is one example of a time i did actually send a group text but otherwise i would never send a group text um that would just definitely get messy and get on people's nerves and it's just going to be a quick way to like get people to ignore your communication so um so individual texts only and i would text a parent who i hadn't heard from about an rsvp you could just assume if they don't rsvp it's a no but I would rather have the participation. So I would actually reach out and be like, hey, did you see my email? Or I don't know if you've seen the email. This is what we're planning. It's on this date. I'd love to know if your girl can participate. Um, and just send that individually to the different parents and you're way more likely to get a response that way. And it's not going to get on anyone's nerves. So um, that's my like main methods of communication that I recommend. Now, I did also personally have a troop Facebook group. I liked Facebook because I could post reminders in a place where if you have Facebook, you're already scrolling or you're getting notifications. Also, I liked it because it was really an easy place to make events, to share, um, and you could get RSVPs that way, to share 
photos and videos. That's the main thing I liked about a Facebook group is that I could make it private and I could share photos and videos of the girls. And it was an easy way for me to get those photos and videos to the families. So I really liked a Facebook group for that reason. Now, a lot of people aren't using Facebook groups anymore, and especially the further along we get and the younger our parents are of the girls in our family in our families, the more likely that they are not on Facebook. So um, that gets tough. Uh, I still had a Facebook group, even though not all of my troop families were part of it, um, just because that was the easiest place for me to share those videos and photos. And I would just remind them that it existed if they wanted a Facebook account just for that group. But if they didn't want one, that's totally fine. That's their prerogative. Um, they just, I mean, that's where the photos are. <laughs> Uh, but I still, it's still your responsibility to communicate with them, even if they don't have a Facebook. I have never used Band, to be fair, but in my troop, we did use Remind, which I think they're very similar. I think Band has a little bit more functionality for almost like a Facebook group where you can upload more stuff and um, set reminders and events and like calendar events and collect uh, forms and things like that a little bit more easily through band than through something like remind i think remind is a little bit more basic it's more like mimicking a text message the thing with both band and remind is that um the parents have to or caregivers have to actively set up their band or remind and just point blank i'm gonna tell you not everyone's gonna do it they're just not asking them to take that extra step they're just not all going to do it and um they might turn notifications off or something like that like asking them to be somewhere where they aren't already is gonna be a tough sell with that being acknowledged, the reason my troop started using Remind is because the so we had girls in several different schools in my troop, but the main school district that most of the girls belonged to, also some of those the different classrooms, some of the different teachers already used Remind. So a lot of parents already had Remind. They were already familiar with it. They knew how to add a new quote unquote class or whatever. So it was easy enough for them to go ahead and sync their app to our troop reminders. Um, but it was just one more thing for us to manage and <laughs> not everybody was on it. So what I'm trying to say here is when it comes to communication, you kind of have to do multiple platforms. Now, it doesn't all have to be you. I don't know what your support system is like from this specific question. But if you have um, other people who you know you can depend on, whether they're co-leaders or they are parent helpers, um, that might be willing to do one of the things, one of the methods of communication. Like I had a co-leader who was specifically in charge of Remind, for example. Or you could have different people in charge of specific communication, like this person is in charge of sending reminders about troop meetings, and they're responsible for that on all platforms, right? So they're sending the email, they're posting it in the Facebook group, and they're setting up the band reminder, whatever it is, um, whatever your methods of communication are. This person over here is responsible for RSVPs for this specific event for horse camp, right? Let's just use that example. Um, this person's going to be responsible for RSVPs for horse camp. So it's their job to chase down each family to get an RSVP for horse camp. Not your job, their job. They're going to get the RSVPs. 
and whatever permission slips or whatever go with the RSVP of yes. <laughs> so they're responsible for that. And they're going to do whatever methods necessary to get in contact with each of those families. Um, that's another method that you could do. You could also have somebody in charge of communication for different subgroups. So like I had a multi-level troop. So I could have had somebody in charge of Daisy communication, somebody in charge of Brownie communication, somebody in charge of junior communication, and somebody in charge of cadet communication. I will say already those are not going to be created equal just because they're different people. So I don't necessarily recommend that. Um, but it does like allow you to offload some of the responsibility, especially as troops get bigger and bigger. My troop was still a manageable size that like me sending out, I don't know, 12 emails versus me sending out 24 emails is virtually the same. I mean, to 24 email addresses, it's virtually the same, right? Tracking RSVPs for up to 24 people, that was totally reasonable for me. But I do know there are some troops out there that we've even had on this podcast before that have like 46 girls or 97 girls or something like that across all the different uh, grade levels. And there's so many things going on. And so many people involved and so many moving parts and um, who needs what information, you're definitely going to have to have a different system when you are scaling to like an extra large troop like that. So that's my thoughts about communication first and foremost. Um, that wasn't actually your question, though. <laughs> your question was, how do you address implementing changes in your troop when they affect parents? And I would say that um, I'm trying to think of like an example of a time that I did this. There certainly had to be things. Um, one, I guess, change was uh, we switched our meeting location from our first year to our second year. We moved to a different spot. Um, another example I can think of was we extended our meetings. We started at an hour every other week and we updated that to 90 minutes every other week. Um, and that really was helpful for us because it gave us like an hour to do activities and then a half an hour to do like wrap up and clean up, which when we only had 60 minutes, we continuously did not have time for the girls to help with cleanup, which meant we always got stuck with the cleanup and the girls left. Uh, I also had um some need for extra parents to start staying um here and there uh for me how did i address that uh i pretty much would say transparency i mean i just would tell them what was going on and i would just be transparent about it um one thing that i kind of did forget to mention that i think is also a helpful method of communication is a physical <laughs> like flyer or letter or handout that goes home with the girl and then she hands it to the parent and you can even further make sure that it gets to the parent by pinning it to the girl's um, vest some troops i've even seen have sewn in a pocket on the inside of their vests um, obviously like tunics have pockets in the front but the vests um don't have pockets so I've seen people sew a pocket onto the inside of all their girls' vests. And then you could also potentially, if you had something like that, you could send a letter home in there or badges or whatever. You can also pin it right to their uniform. And that uh, encourages that piece of paper to actually get home to the caregiver in question. 
So that's another like method of communication. That's not necessarily going to get you a response, <laughs> but it's going to help ensure that that information gets to the parents. So that's another way that I would do that. But um, but anyway, how do I address it? I would send communication in all of those ways. And I would just be really transparent about why. Like, hey, this is and I wouldn't like dwell on it. I wouldn't make a huge deal out of it. I wouldn't make it super dramatic. I would just say like, this is what we're up against and this is what we have to do as a result. Or um, moving forward, this is what we're doing and this is the reason why. And uh, just be kind of authoritative about it. And I guess confident is a better word. Be confident about whatever the decision is that you need to make. Be able to speak to it because if a parent has additional questions and I would even, depending on the change, I would even say, if you have questions about this, feel free to ask me and we can talk about it. Um, but <laughs> I would just be honest, this is the situation. This is the the situation that we have right now. I think at one point I had to kind of be a little bit more hard-lined about needing additional parent support. This was like the last year, so then we ended up getting cut short by COVID. But um, so 2019 to 2020, I was like, I need parents, and this might have even been actually in 2020 about the year 2020 to 2021 and then it didn't end up happening i'm trying to remember but anyway saying like we need to have yeah you know what that's exactly what it was because there was a co-leader who knew they weren't going to be able to come back and that was going to affect our um our adult ratios and so i was able to say like hey we need this in order for the troop to continue to meet. And basically, we won't be able to serve this level of girls anymore if some if if people don't step up to help lead the meetings. And I just was transparent, like, this is the situation. This is the consequence. This is what we need from you. Here's how you do it. Um, but I wasn't super dramatic about it. I wasn't shamey. I wasn't um, making it like more of a mountain than it needed to be. Keep it just straight to the point and um, be confident about it. You also asked, Nicole, um, do I ask parents what they would prefer or do I just make a decision? So when it comes to implementing changes in your troop, I can see it going both ways. There are times that you just have to make a decision because in order for it to be realistic for you to do it, it has to be your decision and you, you're you a volunteer and you can only do what you can do and you just do the best you can and this is what you have to offer. For me, that meant every other week. Would I have loved to meet weekly? Of course I would. But realistically, with the other things that I was juggling in my life I could not meet weekly so every other week is what you get um, also I had a full-time job in an office so we had to meet in the evenings that is the option so uh, if you want to let me know that that day and time doesn't work for you you can let me know that and if I get enough feedback from families saying that's the problem we can look at other options but just know that like I can't meet during office hours, period. Uh, that's different now because now I run my own business from home. I make my own schedule. But at the time that I had, you know, pre-COVID, I I worked in an office. That just was the choice. And I would hear from prospective families sometimes who were thinking about joining our troop who would say like, oh, that's way too late in the evening for my daisy. I totally understand that. You know what? That is totally fair if that's the case for your family. But that's what I have to offer is evenings, weekday evenings. It is what it is. If that's not a good fit for you, you could start a troop your own on your own. And I'd be happy to answer any questions or support you along the way. Or you can contact counsel 
council and see if there's another troop that meets at a better time or day for you. But I'm a full-time employee in an office. This is what it looks like, right? Like this is the time that I have available. So it doesn't really matter what their input is because I can only offer what I can offer in that situation. But sometimes asking parents is going to be necessary because if you make a decision unilaterally that your parents or your caregivers, your families, whatever, don't agree with or don't like or it's not going to work for their family anymore, that family's going to turn over. And maybe sometimes that's a way to filter out people who aren't a good fit for your troop anymore. But it's also a good way to hemorrhage girls. So we don't want to do that. We want to try to work toward retention. See last week's episode. So, um, you know, we want our parents to be on board. But I think what's important to me in the way, especially because uh, I started my troop in my 20s and a lot of the parents were older than me, some of them 10, 15 years older than me. And it was really important to me that I didn't lose my respect and authority uh, in that situation. So um, it wasn't a democracy, right? Like this is not a democracy. This is I'm a volunteer. I'm running this troop. This is what I have to offer. Now, if I have a, a group of volunteers that I am co-leading this troop with, then we're going to make a decision as a democracy of what works for all of us. But when it comes to the parents slash caregivers, <laughs> this is not a democracy. This is what it is. This is what we need from you. I'm happy to discuss the reasons why. And also, I'm open to feedback. If you want to tell me what does and doesn't work for your family or if you have other ideas, doesn't mean I'm going to take it. <laughs> doesn't mean I'm going to take your advice. I'm still going to do what I can do. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that really helps. Uh, and then the last thing just that Nicole had touched on is how do you handle pushback? <laughs> and that's interesting because I definitely got, I don't want to say I got any like major pushback from parents. I did get uh, questions that I took as pushback. Um, I had some strong personalities, of course, among some of the parents in my troop community, and one in particular would sometimes ask questions that came across very pushbacky. But when I would respond, she would then totally backpedal and be like super nice and supportive. So I don't know. I think maybe I was anticipating that it was going to be pushback and really it was more um, curiosity coming from a place of curiosity. But anyway, so and just maybe not the warmest way to ask those questions. But anyway, so um, so how did I handle pushback in general or how would I handle pushback moving forward? How do I handle pushback from like other volunteers if I'm doing something on the service unit level or whatever? Um, generally speaking, I would say like lead with empathy and curiosity, like expect that and i say this all the time about like staff versus volunteers too expect that anybody who's here anybody in this space anybody in the girl scout space wants to support the mission believes in the mission believes that girl scouts is an opportunity to build girls of courage confidence and character who make the world a better place we all believe that that's true we all want that to be true that's what we want for these girls that's what the parents slash caregivers want 
That's what the staff wants. That's what other volunteers want. We aren't all going to agree about how to make that mission a reality, but we are all here with the same mission. Nobody is out to get girls. Nobody is out to get other adults. Nobody is out to like harm other people in this community. We're really not. We aren't always going to have healthy communication and we aren't always going to see eye to eye about approaches, but we all ultimately believe in the same thing. So like if you can start there and then next like lean into the curiosity piece, like get them to tell you more. So like I said, I would perceive something as pushback that I'm not sure if it really was pushback or if that person really just wanted to asked questions and just approached me in a way that came across as challenging. Um, but let's assume the best intentions for all girls in Girl Scouts. And then let's go from there into curiosity of like, what are you really asking? What do you really want to know? What are you really saying here? Where? Tell me more about where this perspective is coming from. Like, how you know how are you feeling what was it that made you feel this way um and and that kind of thing um to try to make space and hold space for the other person to explain themselves and we used to do this exercise when i worked for girl scouts actually that i loved called the left hand column exercise and basically what you do is you have a piece of paper and you fold it long ways and, and then it forms, and then you unfold it, it forms two columns, right? A left hand and a right hand side. And on the right hand side, you write down like the dialogue of some kind of conflict. So it could be, you know, something in your family. It could be something with a, um, a parent or caregiver in your troop. It could be with another volunteer or a staff member, excuse me, a staff member anything um any conflict that you witness or you're a part of you put and really i guess it's most effective if you're part of it and you put down the dialogue of or the actions of what happened then on the left hand you go through the left hand column you go through and for everything that the other person involved in the conflict said or did you put on the right hand side how it affected you like what was going on in your head what was your internal dialogue when this happened so when this person stepped back or this person turned away or this person said this word or this phrase or this line of dialogue what was going on for you how did that make you feel and what were you thinking about it <laughs> and then you go back through and you try to put yourself in the perspective of the other person involved in the conflict and you imagine for every action and every piece of dialogue you had in the right hand column what was going on in their head what were they feeling? What were they thinking? What was their internal dialogue that might have led to their next action or a piece of dialogue? And so you fill in on the left-hand column what you think their left-hand column might have been. And it's just an exercise in like empathy and understanding and like kind of thinking what could be going on for this person that has led to them showing up the way they're showing up. Because most of the time, it's about whatever other lived experiences they've had that are influencing the way they're interpreting the situation more than um, it really being about you or about your decision. So that's one thing. That's maybe taking things a little far for something as simple as like changing your method of communication, your primary method of communication. 
if people are pushing back to that, then uh, there's sometimes that people's pushback is actually important advice. It's important for you to hear. It doesn't mean that you have to take their idea of how to fix it, but the fact that it's a problem for them does matter for you. <laughs> so if you said, I'm only going to communicate via Facebook group from now on, and you hear from people saying, I absolutely, can't, I'm not getting a Facebook. I don't have a Facebook. I'm not signing up for one that absolutely will not work for me. If you only communicate on Facebook, I will never get your messages. I need you to personally call me and tell me everything that you post on Facebook, obviously you're not going to do that. You're not going to personally call them every time. You don't have to actually take their advice or suggestion for how to fix it, but you do need to take their feedback. If there are parents or caregivers in your troop who literally cannot use that and that was going to be your only method of communication, then you need an alternate method of communication. It's not going to work for everyone, right? So then you come up with another method of compromise. Okay. So you may not have Facebook, but you do have an email address. So everything I post in Facebook, I will also send via email. And that way you'll always be able to get access to that information. Now in a perfect world, you're going to get the double whammy because you're going to get it in both places. And that's going to ensure that you're getting my messages and that you know what's going on with the troop. But if you absolutely will not be able to access our Facebook group and that's not an option for you and you don't want to be on Facebook for whatever reason or you can't be or whatever, that's your prerogative. That's your right. My compromise is that I will also send it via email. <laughs> that's what I've got to offer you, right? Um, I can't call you. Sorry, that's not realistic. I cannot personally call everyone, but what I can do is email you. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of my thought is that on one hand, if the pushback is like conflict driven, let's diffuse the situation and like lead with curiosity and empathy. If the pushback is actually like feedback and advice, then, um, hear what the feedback is, and then make your own decision about a compromise. So hopefully that helps, Nicole. I don't know. I, I have this feeling. I had this feeling when I read your question that you wouldn't like my answer. <laughs> so I don't know if you heard this and you were just like, no, I don't want this to be the case. But that is my honest, that's my honest opinion. So Anyway, um, that's my two cents on communication and making changes with parents that affect parents and caregivers. Hopefully it's helpful. And if you want to ask a question, um, then definitely check out the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Girl Scout podcast, or send me an email, girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com if you're not on Facebook. See what I did there? I did a compromise because not everybody is on Facebook. And um yeah, and if you've already asked me a question, including in the fall, and I haven't gotten to it yet, I'm still working through a lot of questions. I appreciate so much that you asked. I'm not ignoring you. I am not blowing you off. I'm just trying to get through as many as I can. And to be completely honest, I'm cherry picking what feels the easiest to answer. So whatever I'm in the mood for out of my whole list of questions, that's what I'm going off of. But anyway, that's my two cents this week, and I'll be back with more answers to your questions next week. <laughs>